1: Hello and welcome. I'm Pat Rulo, the voice for patient safety. I'm so happy you've taken the time to join me. And today I have lots to share with you. So let's dig right in, shall we? Well, you may have noticed these past two weeks, I have not said anything about the plandemic. Or is it (sighs) scam <sighs> I'm personally in the midst of a back and forth in my mind as what to do with this program. Back in 2012, I started this radio show, Speak Up and Stay Alive, Patient Safety Radio, after writing the book of the same title, Speak Up and Stay Alive. And I wrote that after witnessing the many medical mistakes and the missteps that afflicted my mom, during what should have been a fairly easy outpatient surgery in 2008. so i had a very personal reason for wanting to speak up well at that time this radio show was the only show in the entire country devoted to patient safety and i know that now yes there was a movement within the healthcare world that took note of this serious problem and they studied and wrote papers and articles, held symposiums, and generally yacked about it amongst themselves. But until this show, no one brought the problem out publicly. No one put it on the airwaves, telling the truth to you, the patient, the family member, and the potential patient. Fast forward eight years later, many of the people I interviewed in the early days now have their own podcasts about the patient experience how to improve healthcare and that's good because i think we've really seen the patient find their voice and use it and then the scandemic hit and healthcare responded in a way that will forever change patient safety the medical deep state became glaringly apparent instead of pushing back when the CDC and the other biggie globalist entities offered hospitals money to call everything COVID and offered big financial rewards for ventilating everyone who walked in the door, instead of pushing back and saying, hey, we are the specialists, we took an oath to first do no harm. These hospitals clearly put out their hands, collected the money, and thousands of people lost their lives. And it's not just hospitals, it's nursing homes, it's rehab. Healthcare did not push back when states like New York and the zany governor Cuomo and Mayor de Blasi stuffed sick people into nursing homes instead of placing them in COVID facilities built and brought in especially for COVID purposes, such as the Javits Center or the Navy ship, no one spoke up. Healthcare didn't speak up. They allowed that to happen. They allowed thousands of people to die, old people to die. Yet, if we don't wear a mask out in public today, people point a finger at you and call you a grandma killer. Healthcare still doesn't speak up when dangerous governors like DeWine insist cases are rising. We're in the purple zone, we're in the red zone, we're in the hot fuchsia zone. When hospital beds are empty, when people are not dying, when suddenly a positive test result becomes a case? When did that happen? Healthcare still doesn't speak up to say that the PCR virus tests are a sham. Healthcare doesn't speak up when cheap, safe, and effective therapies such as hydroxychloroquine can be useful. Instead, they silently sit back and allow medical actors to make decisions to ban its use. Now, I'm not talking about healthcare workers. These people are just all masked up doing what they're told in order to keep their jobs. But off the record, they tell quite a different story. I know this. They've told me. Pat, we don't have any COVID patients in the hospital. No one has died of COVID in our hospital. Oh, how I'd love to do an audit of those hospitals' death certificates. Yet I continually receive email updates from supposed top hospitals that continue to promote the narrative. Get your vaccines, wear a mask, stay home, stay away from people. Check under your bed at night in case the virus is hiding under there, waiting to infect you in the middle of the night. And while you're at it, you might want to check your closet for monsters and viruses. How do we trust healthcare when they too push the Trojan horse virus that exists to get us to buy into a surveillance economy and worse, the Great Global Reset? because healthcare is part of the problem. Here's a prediction. Next year, we'll see a grand announcement that patient safety improved during 2020. Headlines, COVID improves patient safety. With all of the mask wearing and hand washing vigilance, they did it. They improved patient safety. 2020 was not a total loss. But no one will really admit That perhaps why patient safety improved, on paper, is because people were scared out of their minds to go to the doctor or enter the hospital or get that test they needed out of fear of catching the virus. (laughs) No patients, no problems. Or perhaps, since for months patients were not allowed to have any family oversight, no one found out about the patient safety errors. How convenient is a shutdown for patient safety numbers? Or perhaps people died due to improper ventilator use long before a patient safety issue could arise. Or perhaps they died of VAP, ventilator-associated pneumonia. Or perhaps people died due to a medical error but were listed as COVID on the death certificate so i grapple with this and i am coming to the conclusion that my message about patient safety and therefore this radio show has reached its end of usefulness we're no longer talking about doctors who blatantly don't wash their hands or medication mix-ups or bed sores due to lack of staff and oversight (laughs) those were easy fixes now we're talking about something else Something that's actually been in the works for a long time, but using this COVID scandemic, pandemic, things have come to a head. Here's an example from the Mercola website. Even though global health groups have non-governmental organization NGO names, an NGO is a nonprofit organization that operates independently of any government, supposedly to address a social or a political issue, but they're actually mafia like families answering to a don. The groups use threatening and coercive techniques to cripple nation states and at the same time, of course, enrich themselves. And these actions are especially apparent during this pandemic. So let's talk about the National Academy of Medicine. It sounds very official and important. The National Academy of Medicine, known as the Institute of Medicine until 2015, appears to be a government agency and, in many respects, commands comparable power. It is actually an NGO, and it is a foundation that is funded by other foundations. And these other foundations include the usual suspects, high level industry players with worldwide agenda, such as the Rockefeller Foundation, my favorite, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, the Wellcome Trust, the World Economic Forum, the Paul G. Allen Family Foundation, the Gordon and Betty Moore Foundation. And while the usual well known global health organizations fund this national academy of medicine some of them also oversee its mission so they fund it and oversee the mission interesting the rockefeller foundation bill and melinda gates of course unilever they serve on the oversight group it also includes ceos of major hospitals one name that many of you would recognize right now Then there's the Coalition for Epidemic Preparedness Innovations. Ooh, such an important name. It's a huge player in the coronavirus global response and vaccine initiatives. They already have 107 active COVID 19 vaccine development programs around the world. And again, this is a collaboration between governments, foundations, and the private sector, including, oh, the same. The Gates Foundation, the World Economic Forum, the Wellcome Trust, the governments of Norway, Germany, Japan, India, and big pharma such as GSK, Merck, Johnson & Johnson, Sanofi, Takeda, Pfizer. The same few organizations are behind almost all the global health programs, and especially those addressing the COVID-19 pandemic. The group, the Global Preparedness Monitoring Board. That sounds important, the Monitoring Board. The Monitoring Board is another case in point. It is a front organization that made itself a seemingly independent organization, so when you, the public, hears it, you're not going to think, oh, that's just the World Health Organization again, or that's the World Bank again. Yet, it is synonymous with both groups and yawn, 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 commensurate with the Mafia analogy. The board members include Dr. Chris Elias, who is president of the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, and Dr. Anthony Fauci. Ooh. Its funders include the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, the Wellcome Trust, the Government of Germany, and a lesser well known group called Resolve to Save Lives. Now this group has worked closely with Johns Hopkins Hospital, the hospital which hosted the pandemic preparedness exercise called Event two hundred one. I mentioned that a few weeks ago. Event two hundred one. In twenty nineteen, right before the pandemic hit us this year in twenty twenty, there was a pandemic preparedness exercise. The Johns Hopkins Center for Health Security, in partnership with the World Economic Forum, and the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, hosted Event 201, a high-level pandemic exercise, on October 18, 2019 in New York. The exercise illustrated areas where public-private partnerships will be necessary during the response to a severe pandemic in order to diminish large-scale economic and societal consequences. Wow, head-scratcher. Two months before this hit, we were having a tabletop exercise about the very same thing. Wow, what a coincidence. And I keep hearing Johns Hopkins Hospital associated with all this kind of hanky-panky. So I ask, are they really in existence to help save your life or your loved one's life? I mean, to me, it's highly questionable. Perhaps patient care is a front for other more lucrative and global endeavors? There are many questions about the origin of the coronavirus and whether the U.S. government and the Chinese government are telling the truth. Both governments admit that they have been studying dangerous pathogens like bat coronaviruses at China's Wuhan Virology Lab, Wuhan's Center for Disease Control and Prevention, and the U.S. Army Biological Weapons Lab in Fort Detrick, Maryland. What they don't admit to is manipulating or weaponizing the bat viruses. Yet, the United States funded what's called gain of function, it's a virus experiment. In the China Wuhan lab, it might have even been done here in the United States, which is tantamount to experiments manipulating and weaponizing viruses. And worse, some of the money that funded this Wuhan virus experiments came from the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases, which Fauci directs. Yes, Fauci, the medical and scientific face of this scandemic. So why doesn't health care question this? There are also questions about Dr. Robert Redfield, the CDC director, and Dr. Deborah Burks. You might recognize her, the one that always wore the scarf. Those were members of the White House Coronavirus Task Force. According to Robert Kennedy Jr., in 1992, two military investigators charged Redfield and dr burks who by the way is no longer a doctor she does not have she hasn't had her doctor uh, status in years they were both charged with engaging in a systematic pattern of data manipulation inappropriate statistical analysis and misleading data presentation in an apparent attempt to promote the usefulness of the gp160 aids vaccine now, how would you like to have your name attached to that? Hmm? Shame. A subsequent Air Force tribunal on scientific fraud and misconduct agreed that Redfield's misleading or possibly deceptive information seriously threatens his credibility as a researcher, and yet these people are running around telling everyone what to do. And hospitals and healthcare is buying into it. Why are they not standing up and questioning this? So I say beware the global health mafia. It's clear that many global health foundations and front groups are using mafia like tactics to further their goals. Red flags about media censorship, coupled with the mafia like operations of foundations and vaccine makers in addressing this pandemic, along with hospitals and healthcare, who are clearly complicit should make us all wary of the global health establishment so I tell you all of this today because I am giving great consideration to ending this patient safety radio program as of January 1st 2021 as I said patient safety was not openly talked about among patients when I entered the scene this program was a leader as we encouraged patients to understand their health care, to speak up as a way to stay alive. People were hungry for our message as I spoke to thousands and thousands of people and groups throughout the years. My many books sat on patient tray tables in hospitals as a warning to all who entered that they were being watched by an informed patient. But the rules have changed and I don't see us going back. Because when health care as a whole refuses to stand up to this, refuses to push back and say, no, this isn't right, we are fighting a system that's part of the problem. Our health care system is clearly on the receiving end, being told what to do, following those rules, because their hand is out receiving incentives to do so. So to continue discussing patient safety as if it were something that the patient could actually do something about, seems like those days are over. But that's where I'm at today. Now, maybe I'll look at it differently by the time the year is over. I don't know. Just thought I'd share it with you. So to close, let me encourage you to continue to ask questions to be curious, to not accept that which is foisted upon you. During these times, the best thing you can do is stand strong for what you believe, be willing to take a stand, to have a voice, to use it loudly, and because, if the name of this radio show ever meant anything, it does today more than ever. You have to speak up and stay alive.
0: Listen to Pat Rulo and Speak Up and Stay Alive radio. Stay safe from little-known health care and hospital hazards. To learn more, go to speakupandstayalive.com. That's speakupandstayalive.com.
1: Well, I want to end with a fun little segment. This is by John Rappaport. Wow, I interviewed him many years ago back on something else. Maybe it was on um, cell phone radiation, perhaps? Anyway, this is from Infowars.com. I probably shouldn't even say that. will show will probably get banned. Anyway, he writes, making a vaccine look like it's a champion isn't difficult for public health agencies. There are a number of strategies. Of course, these fraudulent strategies would be serious crimes, but When has that stopped the CDC or the World Health Organization? In no particular order, how to make a vaccine look like it's working. Number one, rework the definition of a COVID case. Currently, the CDC absurdly allows doctors to diagnose a person with COVID who has a cough or chills and a fever and lives in an area where cases are being claimed. No test necessary. So change this practice once the vaccine is approved. Demand testing for a diagnosis. State that cough alone is not enough. Chills and fever must also be present. Require the fever to be above 100 degrees. These and other changes would automatically shrink the number of cases, and the drop in numbers would be attributed to the vaccine. Number two, a way they could make vaccines seem to be effective, Order a change in which that SHAM PCR diagnostic test is done. The practice of amplifying the original test sample from the patient occurs in cycles, or jumps. The greater the number of cycles, the more likely the test will result in a COVID diagnosis. Therefore, order a reduced number of cycles for all testing labs. The outcome? Fewer COVID diagnoses, fewer case numbers, The vaccine is working. Three, quietly restrict the present hospital practice of arbitrarily writing COVID on patient case and death files. There you go. Just tell the hospital, stop doing that. Then it will look like less people are dying of the coronavirus. Wow. Number four. Cook up and publish false studies showing more and more people are developing immunity to the virus, and attribute this to the vaccine. Number five, using the compliant media, simply have them issue bald declarations that the vaccine is a success. Six, hide the many instances of injury and death from the vaccine, and when necessary, you can always claim that COVID was the cause seven huge numbers of people with ordinary flu-like illness pneumonia and other traditional lung infections are now being called covid well they could just change this practice and go back to calling many of these people flu pneumonia etc and instantly the covid case numbers will drop and then claim the drop is the effect of the vaccine number eight Presently, millions of so-called COVID cases have what's called comorbidities. These are prior serious health conditions, which are, in fact, the true causes of illness and death. But, of course, this is denied. But after the vaccine is introduced, scale back the practice of counting all these ill and deceased comorbid patients as COVID, and the case and death numbers will drop. And you can claim the vaccine is the reason. And nine, after the vaccine is introduced, slow down testing for a brief period. This will automatically reduce the rate of new cases, and you can attribute the decline to the vaccine. So you know this. Committing these crimes are a walk in the park for public health agencies. And appointing official mouthpieces to carry lies to the public is as easy as training little Fauci's to sit up and bark. <laughs> oh, I love it. Thought you might enjoy that. This article first appeared at no news dot com. Don't we wish? Head over to my website, speakupandstayalive.com and dot com, and get your books. Lots of important words in those books to help you become empowered when it comes to healthcare safety. That's speak up and stay alive dot com. I also want to mention. My essential oils website, I have been making a very special essential oil to help with immune support. It's called Five Protectors Immune Boost. It is the same formula as Thieves, which you might have heard of, except ours is organic. Theirs is not. And ours is $18 instead of, I don't know, 48 or some crazy price. I love this blend. I use it every day. Just roll it. It's in a little rollerball. I roll it on the back of my neck uh, once or twice a day. It smells really good. It reminds me, it gives me that mental impetus to to stay positive in my mind. And at the same time, the essential oils work to help boost your immune system. I'm not saying this is a cure for anything. I'm just saying it has helped me these last few years and perhaps it'll help you. Head over to that website. It's called zappenzen.com Z-A-P-N-Z-E-N.com. ZapinZen.com Z as in Zebra. Z-A-P, the letter N, Z-E-N dot com, com. This particular one is called Five Protectors. It has uh, five organic essential oils: clove, lemon, cinnamon, eucalyptus, rosemary. And it's infused with five black tourmalines, a force field protector. So Head over to Zap and Zen, take a look around. There's a lot of other good things that can keep you healthy and safe and well, and just, I think you'll enjoy the website. It's a fun one. All right, that's it. Until next week, I hope you have a healthy and a happy week. I am Pat Rulo, and I am the voice for informed choice and patient safety.
0: Want even more information? Purchase a copy of Pat's book at speakupandstayalive.com. Once again, it's speakupandstayalive.com.